there are pillars in the salon that make you money that you have to master. And that is gray coverage. Mm -hmm. That is matching a touch-up. I don't care if you like it or not. If Mary Smith comes in with half an inch of regrowth and some awful, you know, blorange mid-shaft and ends, and she thinks that she's fabulous, your job is to match it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Once you match it, then you can get Mary Smith to move into a root shadow or more highlights mm -hmm. or a darker root or something. So it's great coverage. It's matching a touch up. And as I said, bang instead of highlights. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shop Talk podcast brought to you by 124 Go. I'm your co host, Chris Suleme. Yeah, I see your face over there. And as usual, oh, sitting here, I've, I've stumped him today, my great friend, Mr. John Balmary. And we are pumped up and we are both juiced up, even, even though even though I've got you in. Even in though it doesn't fit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. About, Listen, I've already, I've already moved on. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, we're juiced up about our guests today. I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, first of all, say welcome David Stanko to the conversation. Thank you, guys. You know, it's funny listening to you too. I can close my eyes and imagine, you know, a sports cast, or I can imagine some sort of announcing. And for those that haven't <laughs> met you, handsome guys, I wonder what they think you look like. <laughs> well, we both have faces. I think most people think I'm amazing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We both have faces for radio. We'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For any of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, first of all, I, I just want to say I've watched you do hair color since I was much younger and had hair. You've kept your hair and, and it's looking maybe better than ever. But I have vivid memories being in a stage room at maybe Premiere Orlando or, you know, a large uh, from your past, maybe a Redken event or something like that where and you know, you walked into a room and taught some very foundational things that I was able to use in my salon that next day and make a lot of money with through the years. And I, I've, I've always appreciated that about your style. Um, but recently you've had a, a major announcement. You're, you're now the technical director of hair color for Paul Mitchell. So congratulations on that. That's really awesome. Yeah. And number one, you've always had a fascination with hair color. And I think there are a lot of our listeners that fall into that category right now where hair color, even these past few years, has become kind of the epitome. You've done everything from develop hair colors to test them, to create them, to create swatch books, to doing major magazine shoots. And so the list goes on and on, and we are delighted to have you. So thank uh, you. Thank you, Chris. That's, I could use some of that for my new dating profile. You've given me some Amazing accolades. Thanks. You know, for that. I'm really good at writing um, Tinder um, profiles for other people. So if you need a little help, I'm yeah, the guy. He writes them for all of our stylists. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, you know, I know there's a million ways we can go with this conversation, John. I'm, I'm really excited. And I know our listeners are to hear from David. So why don't you get us started in this conversation? 
Yeah, David, one of the places, you know, we really like starting, it's my favorite place to start, is I want to know how you got into the industry. I love that you asked that question on all of your podcast interviews, mm -hmm. because oh, it, it just sort of levels the field, you know, everyone right. comes from such a variety of a background, and different motivators. So I think it's fantastic that you do that. And I thought about it. So how did I get started? I can tell you that I never styled my Barbie dolls hair mm -hmm. and I never cut the kids in my neighborhood. I sort of fell into the beauty biz. And what I actually like to say is the beauty business found me. I was at a crossroads in my life. I thought about going to college. I thought about the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale mm -hmm. and none of those things panned out. My sister went through Pittsburgh Beauty Academy and she got her cosmetology license and her esthetician license. So I saw her do that. And I, I had, uh, I say early memories, but I was really, you know, 16, 17 years old when there was a mannequin head clamped to the dining room table mm -hmm. and uh, really crappy beauty school razors on there and clippies and all of that stuff. And I, and she was cutting some of my girlfriend's hair. And I, and, and you know what, this was at a time, I'm going to date myself a minute, when, uh, oh, Thompson twins from the 80s were references. So, Fantastic. you know, you, you razored out one side of your head and you let the other, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So short story is I saw my sister do it and I thought I can do that. And so I went to Pittsburgh Beauty Academy uh, graduated in, I started in 1986 and got out in 1987. So I'm, what is that? My 34th year in the business now. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I've always been, as I mentioned, I've always been fascinated with hair color. And when I was in clinic and we were doing hair color, we used Clairol hair color. Clairol right. taught all of us how right. to do hair color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and the, the beauty school proctor, or what were they called? Um, instructor. Yeah. Hidden behind this dispensary as if it was this yep. magical place of, of chemicals mixing and said, here, put this touch up on your client. Mm -hmm. And yep. the woman had fine hair and she had razored side and a perm <laughs> on top. And I, I did her touch up and I went back to the instructor and I said, her hair is kind of khaki green. Mm -hmm. And she turned around, mixed up this magical stuff and said, here, put this on her. Don't let her get up from the shampoo bowl. Mm -hmm. And whatever you do, tell her it's a conditioner. <laughs> so, <laughs> dutifully, I walked back and followed mm -hmm. those instructions as this wafting hit of ammonia came up from the shampoo bowl, right. which was signature Miss Clairol back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was some magical formula with a cap of 33R flame. Ooh. And that, that neutralized the khakiness and, you know, we got her out the door. So mm -hmm. learned a lesson on that day. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now in your career, you sit as the technical director of hair color, but you, you know, I've, I've always known you hanging out um, at the top, if you will, or, or at least heading that direction. Was there a time that you went from, wow, I'm doing this as a utility to, no, I can, I can do this. I want to take this to the furthest that it can go. 
when I went to beauty school, I was a year or so out of high school. And there were a lot of, a lot of kids in school that had just graduated high school. And you know, there was sort of that maturity level of, of mm -hmm. just high school. And then a couple people that were older. I think I really found my people when I hit the first salon that I worked in. Mm -hmm. You know, it was cool people. Yeah. They dressed in a way that was sort of aspirational. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and this was back when vintage clothing was a big deal. <laughs> if you tie dyed your pants and then dyed them again. And, right. you know, uh, Doc Martens, all of that sort of thing. Um, so I thought these people are cool. They always have cash in their pocket. That's mm -hmm. something that I want to do and I want to be as well. And I think, you know, one of the turning points, I was working, um, you know, I've always been a monogamous professional. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, I, I started at one salon in Pittsburgh called Dean of Shadyside. Very busy, very hip. Dean Panizzi was a sorby educator and mm -hmm. all these things. And I was working with a guy named Jerry and I've never seen anyone that can whip in a pin curl set like one handed, you know, other hand behind his back and blindfolded than this guy, Jerry. And I was serving coffee, cleaning brushes and handing him end papers. And another cool friend of mine was working in another salon called Reve, and she was applying color and taking down perms and doing stuff that was a little bit more exciting. So I stayed with Dean for a while and I credit Dean from transitioning me from Dave to David. That was sort of one of my first like, huh, okay. I sort of have to up the game a little bit and have a different persona. And then I worked with a husband and wife called Don and Larry at Reveille and I saw some cool stuff. So the turning point when I knew like I can make a go of this, I was assisting to sort of, you know, dutifully by the side of Donna and I looked across this very fabulous busy salon and I felt like these hairdressers were talented they dressed well their hair was good it wasn't crazy I'm an artist and I mm -hmm. want to just do dumb stuff right. they were they had their shit together and I thought there's got to be more mm -hmm. there's got to be more because I felt like they were punching in having a full book of clients and punching out Mm -hmm. And I thought there's got to be more. And it wasn't one year after beauty school that I went to Sassoon in Toronto, Canada. No. And then the rest just sort of went off from there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I think I found my people and I knew that there was a pathway to more exciting things, greater opportunities. And I thought, all right, let's do this. I love the name transition, by the way. I met a, a, a guy who became a business partner of mine for a period of time. His name was Chris as well, but Christopher was all he would go by <laughs> and he would correct you. And I have to say, I admired that mm -hmm. because it, it gave you know him a persona and it, it gave him a new way of being. I'm just kind of thinking about living up to something that's, that sounds um, bigger. And I, I'm sure John's brain is going here a little bit as well, because from in that era, mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of the high, the highest talents mm -hmm. made a made a run at Sassoon. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. You know, first of all, we, we've talked a lot about Sassoon on this podcast because it seems as though a lot of folks that we connect with, you know, people in the industry who who made something of themselves, for lack of a better way to put it, Sassoon's in their lineage. 
And I can remember saving enough money to, because I went to Sassoon, Toronto, you know, saving money so that I could go there. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to save some money. I know what it was about Sassoon, about why you wanted to go. When you got there, what did, what did you walk away with? What was the thing that you said, you know what? This is, I'm going to take this and run with it. Yeah, you know, I was enamored with mm -hmm. Sassoon because uh, getting into the business in, you know, the early to mid 80s, mm -hmm. Sassoon was alive. Yep. They were a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. It was a name, a philosophy, a method of cutting, et cetera. Uh, and today, you know, I don't know that that same cachet lives mm -hmm. with, with younger hairdressers mm -hmm. uh, or people in general. But I remember getting there and just thinking, oh my gosh, these people have got it together. Look how cool they are dressed. I remember one woman, she had a headband and turban and big chunky necklace and these big like sort of flowy pants. And I thought, wow, she looks like a gypsy turned artist, you know, yeah. and a dude with these dreadnoughts. And they were just, they were the consummate professionals. They had the technical skills they were just something to look at. And it was at that time I looked around and I thought, you know what? I love that they are teachers of this craft. I would love to be a teacher at some point. And that started the wheels running. And fast forward X years later, I was uh, really in charge of helping to develop the education for Redken at the exchange in New York City. I think, you know, for me, one of the things I think about when I think about Sassoon is they exuded confidence, right? They just, they had the confidence to wear the clothes. They had the confidence to talk to talk. They had the confidence to do the hair. And I think that that's a, if you get around that, it, it's addictive. You want that. And, and, and you know what else is, you know, I would overhear their conversations. They would, you know, it just wasn't a job for them. No. This was a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. This was after the students left, they would still stay and do haircuts. Oh, and yeah. I remember two of the instructors saying, you know what, we're going to, um, we're going to challenge each other and I'm going to cut a piece here in the hair. I'm going to challenge my friend to create a concave from this mm -hmm. section to that section, then mm -hmm. convex from here to here, mm -hmm. then graduate. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a science. <laughs> you know, right. This is impressive. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And when you were there at that time, was it, was, was hair color your hundred percent focus yet or? No, this was, um, no, I was assisting at the time and I was sort of sorting out what disciplined was really speaking to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was Sassoon trained in Toronto, in New York and in San Francisco, and then uh, Tony and Guy as well. And parallel to that, because I was a, a hairdresser behind the chair, I also, um, I don't, I can't say recruited. I signed up for being an educator for Italy hair fashion. Mm -hmm. Yep. Colorly color. I'm still friends with those folks to this day and still in contact with them. You know, and, and it's a classic. A salesperson came in, said, I have this new product line. Does anyone in your salon want to do this education stuff? Now remember, I already had my mindset that I wanted to do big and great things. So this just mm -hmm. fell into my lap. And that's what I did. That was the first manufacturer I worked with from, oh boy, I think 80, 88 or 89 mm -hmm. to 94 or 95. Did that start your love affair with color? Is that how you got there? 
Um, it secured it. Mm -hmm. It secured it. My my love affair started because I would I would play with color in the salon. Um, I feel com I feel compelled to ask just because of the transition period we're talking about in your own life. You know, we we work with cosmetology school students. They're they're a, they're a, they're a good size of our listenership. Mm -hmm. um, new people getting into the industry. If somebody has aspirations for education now, um, what are some steps that they could take uh, to start to head down that road? Well, the obvious pick is to find influencers that you like. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is just, you know, that's maybe one tenth of the answer to your question. Mm -hmm. The other is to do your work. Go on to manufacturers' websites, go to Paul Mitchell, go to Redken, Goldwell, Schwarzkopf, et cetera, tool around on their website, look at how they present color, how they talk about it, model images, et cetera, mm -hmm. and, and then get your hands on it. Go to Cosmoprof, BSG, mm -hmm. Salon Centric, buy, you know, for me, it's always a tube of 5N and 6N. That mm -hmm. gives me a pacing item of what the personality of a color brand is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then start playing with it. And then like, okay, I think that I want to pursue this. Mm -hmm. And it's, it used to be easy to go to shows and hang out backstage or talk to the artist when they came off the platform and say, how do I get involved? Mm -hmm. uh, you can still do that. It just requires a little bit of a different strategy. Now you DM people, yeah. right. uh, you send a message to someone and say, hey, look, really like what you're doing. Put me in touch with someone. So mm -hmm. it's, all, it's always been about networking. It's yeah. just a different facet of it now. How did your networking evolve? Talk about your transition from old media to new media, for lack of a better way to put it. Actually, can I preface that for just, yeah. just a second? Because the reality is, is that there are people that I remember well that were really good educators that didn't adopt and mm -hmm. adapt. And you have, and you've been doing, please say it again, is it Color Guru? Oh, Formula Boss. Formula, Formula Boss, excuse me. And that's how I actually, you came upon my radar, I want to say a year ago doing that, or maybe mm -hmm. more. So now talk about that transition. I just want to, I guess I wanted to interject and compliment you on making the transition. Formula Boss is a moniker that I trademarked uh, mm -hmm. when I authored formulation books. You know, starting level, desired level, mm -hmm. you know, romancing the names of having Mm -hmm. you know, Chippendale antiqued walnut furniture brunette, you know, yeah. and how do you, how do you get that? The transition I'm still learning and sorting through, you know, I'm too old to be on TikTok, but man, is it fun, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I'm not on there on my own name. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm on there. It's sort of like my guilty pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's always been about like, what's going on? How do you keep up and how do you make it your own? Um, you know, I was lucky to get a lot of exposure early on in the trade magazines, and that was a networking piece that I kept up with. And that's a piece of advice I would just randomly throw out there, which is make friends, send messages, follow up, do what yeah. you say you're going to do. Uh, don't flake on people. Try to like be upstanding. 
Um, and, and I, you know, I appreciate you saying that I've sort of kept up. I feel like I'm a little bit behind the time because when a lot of folks were hardcore building their social presence, I didn't have those resources at my fingertips the way those people did. Mm -hmm. In other words, I was still with a manufacturer and not behind the chair full time. So I couldn't, you know, and there's, there's so much to talk about there. I, I wasn't behind the chair, so I couldn't take the befores and the after and have my assistant or someone else stand over my shoulder and do it and, you know, work with someone else to edit. I was working for big manufacturers and there were model usage rights involved and there mm -hmm. was, you know, things you could do and couldn't do. And, you know, if you think back a few years, that's when we were all figuring out user generated content, right. you know, like, oh, okay, you can do it as long as it's from the back of her head or a profile and no mm -hmm. one can recognize her. So when I was under those restrictions, other people were jamming mm -hmm. because they had a, a full book of clients they could play with. Yeah. You know, Chris, one of the things we talk about is we, you know, have this level system within our salons, yeah. right? We have our newer staff who've got, you know, a lower price point and some of our senior staff, they have a higher price point. You know, I'm thinking the same thing is true of our retail selections. Well, it's true. I mean, we try to brand ourselves in a way where all levels of guests who come into the salon, whether they prefer to spend more, have a bigger hair care budget, right. or they have a lesser of a hair care budget, that mm -hmm. we're always trying to find a way to suit all of their needs. Yeah. One of the things that's been really obvious coming to us is that nowadays more and more and more people are trying to find a way to not only have a great relationship with their partner brands, but to augment their own personal brand. And so we recently ran into a great solution for this. Yeah, the Genesis brand has been something that we've been, you know, got our hands on and been playing with here at the home office and some of our stylists have been playing with it. And it's really been a great, fun experience. Yeah. A nice product, really nice. A hundred percent. So what Genesis is, is actually a private labeling company started by guys that have been in the industry for years. It's mm -hmm. a family-owned brand in which you have the opportunity to take a product, a high-end premium product, and put your own brand logo on that. What do you think the benefits of that are, John? Well, the, the benefits are you know, immense in that, you know, first of all, this company will help you design and market your product. You know, The second thing about the Genesis brand that we like is that there's not a whole lot of SKUs here. You I mean, yeah. there's only like 12 products, which yeah. is great. You know, And because of that, it's not a huge buy-in. You're not having to spend $20,000 to you know, pick up the product and add to your salon. But you know, we love our brand partners. We love Love the people that have supported us and helped us grow our salon. Hundred percent. And at the same time, how do we reach this other little market? Right. How do we reach these other people that you know are still looking for a quality product? You know, and in that, grow our company and our brand and who we are. Totally. Yeah, branding has definitely become the thing. So hey, listen, if you're wanting to join the movement of private label branding, it's if it's something that you've been interested in, but just not sure how to find it. Yeah, contact these folks. They're yep. amazing. Yep, Genesis Private Label. We've got the link in our description below. And if you use our link, you actually get 50% off of the cost of the sample kit. So they'll send you a sample kit. Click the link below. You save 50% off of that. You get to try the product out, take a look at the packaging, and kind of fantasize and imagine what your logo would look like 
on the Genesis private label packaging. Check them out. Listen, they promise to build your brand, not theirs. You can see it and really feel it in everything that they do. Yeah, try it out. Tell them we sent you. As Chris said, a lot of our, our listeners are new to the industry. So I want to start there a little bit. So I'm new to the industry. You know, color is something I really have a love for. It's something I really want to dive deep into. Obviously, I need to learn how to formulate better. But aside from that piece, talk a little bit about what it takes. What are the steps you need to do in order to become, you know, to make color your thing? First is to have interest. Mm -hmm. Second is to hopefully partner with a mentor. Third is to do some research. And then fourth is doing hands-on. Don't succumb to rumors. Mm -hmm. Figure it out for yourself. Here's what I mean. A new hairspray comes into the salon. One person uses it. They don't love it. And by the time Hmm. lunchtime rolls around, you ask Johnny, how's that hairspray? And he says, oh, it sucks. Uh, I heard it's no good. I heard it's really (laughs) crunchy. Well, dude, you never even tried it yourself, Mm -hmm. you know? So the same thing with hair color. Don't tell me it didn't cover gray. You didn't get the vibrancy of reds. The high lift wasn't terrific. Mm -hmm. Play with it yourself. It's classic responses. Take the hair that's been cut in the salon, Mm -hmm. take double face tape or gaffer's tape or uh, what's that silver tape called? Duct tape. Duct tape. So it's sticky side up. That keeps the universe together, David. That and Velcro, (laughs) I am 100% on board with both. Um, Yeah, but take the hair that's out there, you know, take a little extra bleach that's lying around and see Mm. what happens. Look at it in five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, grab a toner. What were some roadblocks along the way for you and that journey of getting to be better at your color skills? you can think of? Um, I was probably my own biggest roadblock, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. Should I do that? You know, should I ask to be part of that? Mm -hmm. You know, is it okay that I hang out and look at that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, um, figure out what you want to do and, and try stuff Mm -hmm. that can build along the way to get you to your goal. You know, it's, it's like anything. If you want to, you know, you want to buy a new outfit, then figure out how to scrimp and save from your Starbucks money until you get enough money to, to buy right. your handbag, you know? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, I got a question. I'm going to sort of stay on this, but change the direction slightly just because, look, we talk to a lot of colorists. We don't to talk to a lot of people that have developed, mm-hmm. tested, created created swatch books and then been the person to go you know in front of whether it be a lore or glamour or cosmopolitan magazine and be the person to present that model so you know there's there's colorists and there's colorists and i mean that with respect to everybody uh, wherever you're at in your journey i'm guessing as the technical director of hair color for paul mitchell you'll be teaching hair color pushing trends perhaps you know i'm putting words in your mouth now uh, you know, t- teaching the team to use the color properly. I'm guessing some some product development. I want to know some of the top things that you're still out there teaching as it relates to hair color. So with Paul Mitchell, it is a role that was created for me, technical director of hair color. Awesome. Uh, I'm sure you know that Paul Mitchell has an amazing team of mm-hmm. artists um, that are award winners, 
that are fabulous. I am thrilled to be counted amongst those artists. Mm -hmm. um, there are artistic directors for color and design and, and, and things. So this was a newly created role for me because there's an opportunity for Paul Mitchell to grow their color business. Mm -hmm. And in order to do so, there's a couple things in, in motion here. The first is to bring me in that, so that I can liaise between research and development and education mm -hmm. and marketing so that we can bring products to market. So I'm technically in the research and development department. Mm -hmm. I go out to Paul Mitchell's labs here in Southern California a number of days a week and actually do die outs and talk to the team and hang out with the, the top chemist and we kick around ideas and things. So my whole thing is about hair color. And, but I've done this for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And in three decades, I can still come back to some classic information mm -hmm. that is evergreen, that will never run out <laughs> of talk time. Right. And that is how to formulate, mm -hmm. how to cover gray, how to have a banging set of highlights that works for almost anybody, mm -hmm. how to tone them, and how to be patient when it comes to hair color correction. Mm -hmm. I think those are my top ones. So one of the most difficult things in hair color is assessing a natural level. Mm -hmm. huh. Is she a four or is she a five? So I would, I would offer the following advice. One, figure out what is a number five with the brand that you're using. Mm -hmm. Because not all level sixes are the same. Right. or level fives are the same. Mm -hmm. Secondly, once you nail that, use yourself as a metric. Okay, as you're looking at this woman's head, think, okay, is she darker or lighter than me? Okay, well, I'm a classic level four. So there are, there are little tricks to, to mm -hmm. figure out that stuff. Because as you, as you guys know, and everyone who's listening, if you screw up assessing the natural level, you are dead in the water. Everything else will snowball to a disaster. Right. I hate to sound so dramatic about well, that, but it's, it's so true. true. You know, it's funny because I feel like it's why uh, this is such a war. Don't throw rotten tomatoes at me if you're listening right now, but you know, I feel like everybody under 30 right now, that's why they just go straight to bleach. Yeah. That, you know, they, because it's like, it doesn't matter what level it is. They're going, oh, you know, bleach. I mean, when I ask a, a newer person about, how they're going to get to a certain level they're going to bleach and tone is what they're going to do mm -hmm. and while some beautiful hair color of course can be created by bleach and tone it's almost not necessary for 50 percent of the situations that i see it done in mm -hmm. um and is it is it because of that i don't know what my starting i don't hadn't really thought about the result and i don't know the products that i have at my hands to get there i mean is that what it is david i don't know chris i think that i think as humans we like to skip steps and what we are surrounded with are fun balayage painting yeah. mid lengths to ends all of this what appears to be sexy and, and you know, mm -hmm. artistry kind of stuff. Right. And I, I, you know, I'm here to tell you that there are pillars in the salon that make you money that you have to master. And that is gray coverage. Mm -hmm. That is matching a touch up. 
I don't care if you like it or not. If Mary Smith comes in with half an inch of regrowth and some awful, you know, blonde mid-shaft and ends, and she thinks that she's fabulous, your job is to match it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Once you match it, then you can get Mary Smith to move into a root shadow or more highlights mm-hmm. or a darker root or something. So it's great coverage. It's matching a touch up. And as I said, bang in set of highlights. And, and more often than not, that's with a, a bleach lightener. Right. Uh, but also, you know, it's the same thing with low lights. Um, you have to have a competent pattern, which is your go-to. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you talked about, you know, was, um, you know, deciding what trends are going to be moving forward. So, you know, let me ask you about that in, in your role now. What do you see coming on down the road? What trends do you think people are going to be interested in? What's you know, it's so funny. I just, someone just sent me from Southern Hospitality Magazine, the 2021 (laughs) trends, Ah. you know, and I read these, there are like, I think 15 or 18 trends. And Mm -hmm. I read these through the filter of the person who has Mm -hmm. in my career created these trends. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, you guys, it is still blonde, brunette and red, (laughs) but it's contorted with Mm -hmm. more modern, interesting language. There's Mm -hmm. one called Ginger Brunette. And the article goes on to say, Ginger Spice called, she wants her hair color back. So (laughs) it's a golden golden brunette with a little bit of copper in it. And now that's a trend. You go back two years, that was cream soda brunette. You Mm -hmm. go back before that, you know, we could go all the way back to the 90s with Cindy Crawford and Chunky Highlights. Mm -hmm. So but, but to be direct with your question, as we sit here in the beginning of 2021, mm-hmm. um, coming out of this COVID pandemic, salons in LA just have been open for two weeks now. Wow. Um, people are not coming in and saying, oh my gosh, I want to be you know, this makeover. Mm-hmm. These clients are happy to have their roots touched up, their highlights freshened up mm-hmm. to have a haircut going on. So uh, aside from some of the, you know, fun little trends. I, I can't say that coral is going to be big for spring summer. <laughs> I can't say that, you know, bright red is going to be where it's at. It right. really is about, you know, a return to comfort of who I am. Get mm-hmm. rid of my roots. Just make me feel human again right. so that I can work out and lose a couple pounds and, and feel good about my life again. <laughs> I'm going to ask you another question and hopefully um, it turns into a shameless plug. What well, why Paul Mitchell? What was the attraction to them? Yeah. You talked about that. Yeah, that's a good one. I did a consulting project with Paul Mitchell mm-hmm. for a few months last mm-hmm. year. And it was sort of um, the honeymoon phase before mm-hmm. the marriage. I have always admired Paul Mitchell from a historical beauty brand perspective. Uh, in fact, I was just physically one-on-one talking to John Paul last week, and we were sharing some stories. He's a mm-hmm. terrific man. I, I admire what he's done. Uh, I respect what he has done in terms of keeping Paul Mitchell in the professional world mm-hmm. for almost forever. And I picked Paul Mitchell because I love their artist network. I think they are some of the most highly creative, talented people, Naha winners, Mm -hmm. and that Paul Mitchell has a focus on hair color and on beauty. They understand beauty. Mm -hmm. They know what a woman wants. 
and they're looking to grow their hair color business. And I love being able to come in, do research with the different people, departments and products mm -hmm. and say, okay, now I understand the Demi, which is the Demi permanent mm -hmm. color better. How can, how can we spin this so that it is more interesting to a new user or the competition mm -hmm. or what formulations can I create and name them something that's mm -hmm. interesting that will attract more people to the brand? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been the game. It seems like in the past couple of years with um, uh, who, who can come to the table with the best toners, the ones that are, you know, the ones that are going to be able to push blondes in a direction that you weren't able to before. And for a long time, I think we were able to get by with, well, the reason why this picture looks that way is because there's a light on her head. And then at some point the consumer said, well, can't you paint that light on my head? And the, <laughs> right. the answer ended up being yes, you actually can. And then, you know, now we had to get more creative. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys um, create there. Anything you can share with us so far that's, uh, that, that, that you're hoping to affect or any? One of them is, is keep, tweak, add, and delete. You know, mm -hmm. what do you keep in the portfolio because they're good performers, people buy them and use them. What do you add so that you remain competitive with other hair color brands? Mm -hmm. Or in the Demi, for example, there are these muted metallic shades, which are you know, lavender and rose gold, et cetera. And that's very much a trend, but also um, a function of that, of that portfolio. You know, what do you delete? Okay, well, these, are, these aren't performers, no one loves them. And then you know, what do you tweak? Okay, well, look, we have reds, but people don't love them. So can we make them punchier and more exciting? So it's the keep, tweak, add, delete stuff. Um, I can tell you that uh, we are launching new NB shades mm -hmm. called Bombshell Beige. And that is part of the core foundation in the Demi. Um, and they are like, like a soft root beer, butterscotch type of tone mm -hmm. from levels four through 10. And 10 is a big deal in Demi permanent color right, right. now. Yeah. Paul Mitchell has been leading the charge on level 10s with Demi permanents for mm -hmm. a while now. And those are really beautiful to work with. You know, I've got, I've got two questions for you. First, I want to start off with the Demi Permanent. You know, as we look at color brands right now, Demi Permanent seem to be a thing, right? Lots of brands seem to be refocusing on them, um, starting Demi Permanent lines. What is it about Demi Permanents that's all of a sudden, maybe not all of a sudden, but maybe has a resurgence of interest? I think part of that answer lies in the business outside of the US mm -hmm. where Demi permanents were uh, traditionally tube cream hair colors. Mm -hmm. And in the US, uh, some of the most popular Demis are liquids. Mm -hmm. And I love a liquid Demi because it flows beautifully and quickly and easily through the hair. Yeah. And I think some of our colleagues outside of the US are scratching their heads going, huh, you guys are onto something with this liquid. Mm -hmm. And so we start to see a bunch of those brands come out with liquid hair color. Yeah. Um, and Demi Permanent is a multifunctional hair color in a salon. Uh, it's primarily used to, to tone pre-lightened hair. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we call that tone and refine with the mm -hmm. Demi. Yeah. It's used for color refresh. So when the mid lengths and ends need a little bit of a boost. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the Demi, what I love about Demi's and mm -hmm. the Demi and Paul Mitchell is it will do that refresh without obliterating mm -hmm. what exists on the mid shaft and ends. Yeah. And the key to doing good color is how do I just tweak the tone? How mm -hmm. do I refine the tone without obliterating it? Yeah. Because, you know, there's always a time in a salon where you nail the perfect blonde mm -hmm. look on a head of hair, but it needs a little something. A little needs polish. A little shine and condition and just mm -hmm. a little hint of a tint. Mm -hmm. And that's where I use the Demi. So I wanted to fire a lightning round off at you really quick because we love to teach little nuggets on the podcast as well as storytelling. So if you would, David, I'm going to give you three quick topics. Inside of each of those topics, I'm going to have you give a one minute teachable nugget based around the topic. So are you ready? I am. And we have not prepared this. This is like a nope. magician saying, yeah. no, we've never met before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's the first topic is formulation. I'm either new or a seasoned vet. Teach me your favorite formulation tip. Okay. My favorite formulation tip to figure out liftability of a hair color mm. is to Take the natural level. So let's say we're going to take a natural level four. And for funsies, we're going to apply a level eight onto that level four. So what is my expectation of an end result in that example? So if I'm a natural level four and I'm using a level eight shade, four plus eight equals 12 mm -hmm. divided in half equals six my expectation is that a level eight will perform at about a level six in that example. Mm -hmm. So once you have nailed that, you can decide, is that gonna control enough warmth for me or, or can I refine it? And this mm -hmm. is with 20 volume. We used to call this the 20 volume rule. Hmm. So this is like, okay, you know, I don't care what anyone says, I'm gonna mix a high lift blonde with a level six and put it on a head of hair. Mm -hmm. And that, that's uncharted territory. This is a way for you to predict lift. And so the math is adding, you're adding 12 to that level four. What was the math? The math is natural level four yeah. plus shade being used, which is eight. eight. Four and eight is 12. Yeah. And then divided in half is six. Mm -hmm. So you can expect a level eight when applied to a level four head of hair, you to give six. you approximately a level six result. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's awesome. So shade plus your natural level divided, divided by two, by two. Mm -hmm. gives you where you're gonna land. That's mm -hmm. an unbelievable tip, thank you. Um, well, my next one I was gonna throw out you was lifting and maybe that was your tip. Is there another lifting tip or is that the one? No, no, here's my lifting tip. You don't have to use 40 volume. Oh, That's my lifting on. tip. <laughs> <laughs> but the lifting if... tip, for those of you that are science buffs and curious about hair color, mm -hmm. I challenge you to mix up your powdered lightener with 20 volume and your powdered lightener with 40 volume, apply it to the same strand of hair and look at it at 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 and 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. 
likely what you will see is at the end of 60 minutes, they are nearly the same level of lift. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so the third one I want to throw at you, and then I thought up one more. Uh, <laughs> Love is, it. Is tint backs. So tint backs are obviously a thing. Yep. Um, and, they're, and they're a place where we see newer people go wrong or you know, maybe even getting confused. Uh, give us the thing that we need to know about tint backs. Sure. First thing is to strand test because you have a classic choice to make. Do I want to invest 20 minutes on the front end to figure out what I'm gonna do mm -hmm. or three and a half hours on the back end because I jumped into this without thinking the whole thing through. So strand test is number one. Number two, fill the hair with the Demi. Your fill needs to be about one to two levels lighter, right? Your fill needs to be warm and soft, meaning you want an orangey sherbet tone, not a burgundy mahogany tone mm -hmm. to fill. And the third is you have product choices for your final color. If you can do it with a Demi, do it with the Demi. Mm -hmm. So if you have filled the hair, got the undertone you want, try to think about using another application of a Demi to get your final color. That's the most respectful to the hair. And if you're not going to get it, then use a permanent color um, as your final color. I, I love it. And by the way, as you're, as you're teaching this, I'm picturing you with your old lab coat standing on stage <laughs> sharing this. So I've got one, one more to throw at you on lightning round. What's the biggest hair color myth that you find yourself busting time and time again? that you have to pre-soften the hair to get good gray coverage. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what's the truth? The truth is formulate smarter to get good gray coverage. Uh, gray hair lacks visible warmth or it lacks background color because mm -hmm. it has stopped producing melanin pigment. So you have to replace in gray hair what's missing, which is background color. Permanent hair color shades are formulated with background color and or tone. So you have to replace what's missing. So you have to put the brownness back into hair. And sometimes that means dropping a level so you get more depth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it means using a 10 or a 15 volume, but probably it typically means to extend your processing time by 10 minutes to try and bring more coverage to your end result. That was great. Thanks, man. You nailed all those. Thanks, David. Whew. Sweating here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we've had we've got traditional hair coloring companies, and that's how I'm gonna, you know, praise that. We've got traditional hair coloring companies. You talked about Clara right up front, right? That have been around for forever. And then we've got some of these, you know, newer companies. You know, I'll use Pulp Rye as an example, right? Which is a newer color line. I, I want to know when you're formulating, right? When you're the technical director at Paul Mitchell and you're kind of thinking about what's next and we're coming up with color, you know, formulations and different names and where our company's going. How do those, those newer companies influence the ones that have been around for a while? Those, those companies that have been stayed and true for so long? Sure. Well, you know, everyone's a competitor right. at the end of the day. And so uh, I always look at the strengths, the weaknesses, and the opportunities with mm -hmm. different brands. 
So uh, in your example, is Pulp Riot doing something interesting that mm -hmm. I should have a look at? And interesting means how many shades are in their portfolio? Are there nuances or tonalities that are kind of unique mm -hmm. uh, that, I should, that I should take a look at? Mm -hmm. Or what is it that they're doing that, you know, that, that's not terrific? Mm -hmm. um, and we're only using this as an example. This right, could absolutely. Be any, any new entrant into the market. Right. And you, you, in some ways, you want to look at the chemical aspect of that new, that new product as well. Mm -hmm. Are they new to the market and they've got some big muscle behind them and new technology behind them? Is there a new ingredient, a new dye technology? Is there mm -hmm. something new that makes it fabulous right. that you have to take a look at? And then also, what's the education? Is it yeah. simple and clean, easy to follow? Mm -hmm. Or did they just complicate it and it's a big mess? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's Thank awesome. you for that. That's awesome. I, I have one follow-up question to that because it's a great question, John. You know, a lot of times we'll have somebody on and... I've actually gotten to the point where I'm even confused about this. You know, a lot of people say, oh, hair color comes from the same place and this and that. And it's all um, what makes a brand different in in the in the hair color category? Yep. That is an amazing question. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Chris, that's like saying what makes a specific chef so amazing and right. why you want to go to a particular restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at a marinara sauce, there's going to be common ingredients, tomatoes, and mm -hmm. salt, and uh, garlic, etc. But it's the quantities of those ingredients. Mm -hmm. It's how the chef assembles those ingredients. The artistry of the chef, cosmetic chemists, we work with a beautiful woman named Valerie George at Paul Mitchell in the way she assembles these ingredients and puts her touch on it, it's as magical as a hairdresser behind the chair. Right. You know, um, how are they? You know, how are they finishing off that head? What tools are they using? What styling products are they using that makes it really so fantastic and special? Mm -hmm. That's what makes hair color so unique. And you know, there are technical differences. Yes, all hair color shares common ingredients. There's mm -hmm. dyes and conditioners and surfactants and an alkali and a developer, et cetera. But there are nuances with that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I just want to tag on something. Oh, developer is developer. You can use mm -hmm. any developer right. with any, totally not true. Mm -hmm. Some developers will interact with the way a hair dye or ingredient organizes itself. Mm -hmm. And it could produce too much of a salt chain and therefore it breaks down and the color then drips off the head of hair. Mm -hmm. So there really is merit to dedicated developer to specific hair color to maximize performance. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, any developer is any developer, not any more than all six ends are created equal. Right or all of your partners in life are the same. Everyone brings something unique to the whole, to the whole process. Well, and it, it goes back to me, something that you said, David, um, which is the, and maybe I'm paraphrasing something that I heard you say earlier today, but it's to, it's when you're going out of color, you have to put some thought into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact that I, I love that you shared that the fact that, that, formulating to the natural level is one of the hardest things to do in hair color. And yet so many people take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, those rules always existed, but right, we right. hadn't 
given it its due process yet. And so um, that's awesome. Guys, I, I just looked down at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I see you got your hand up for, for one more, John. Here's what I wanted to say. One, you know, Chris had talked about we've got like 160, 170 podcasts out there. Here's what I know. The top, I think the top two, maybe even our top three, the top number one, number two, and number three listened to podcasts are colorists. That's a fact. Wow. Yeah. People want to know about color. They want to well, listen to colorists. They want to know what they know. And from your color. lips, huh? Yeah. From your lips. I'll tell you, you know what? I, I know you want to take us out. All I want to say is hair color is magical. Mm -hmm. It changes the perception of a woman. When you create the right hair color for a woman and she feels good, she tips you more. She's friendlier to the valet guy. <laughs> she goes home and she loves her kids and can tolerate her husband again, yeah. you know? But if you make the wrong choices with hair color, as my mother used to say, oh, that hair color makes her look rough, makes mm -hmm. her look, you know, a dark head of hair on a woman who has age spots or, or uh, under circle eyes right. is awful because like colors attract. Mm -hmm. So hair color is magical and, and use your power for good. It's the truth. How do we get a hold of you? Sure. So the business stuff is LinkedIn. David Stanko. My Instagram is the David Stanko, T-H-E David Stanko. And then on Facebook, same David Stanko. And I'd love to hear from people, share some tips and trivia. Um, yeah, absolutely. You guys are terrific. Thank, Thank you. you. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up there. We, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets its, gets its wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting its wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.